and welcome. We are the Ladies of Strange. I'm Ashley. I'm Tiffany. And I'm Rebecca. Thank you for joining us each week as we discuss the history, mystery, and theory of all things questionable, odd, and eerie. Hello! Hi! How is everyone today? Good. I'm peachy. I'm tired. Peach King Jelly Bean, tired. Mm -hmm. Why are you so tired? I I don't know. Hey, I had a uh, Q-tip shoved down my throat today. Interesting. Oh, yeah. Tiffany actually went through with the COVID test. Well, I had to to go back to work because I was coughing last Wait, night. And did the COVID? T- that came out. It did. It's fine. I, mean, I got like to drive through COVID test is what I was trying to say. Yeah. Because I had a cough last night and I couldn't go back into work until I tested negative. So I did. Ta-da! Ta-da! Yay. <laughs> but I said ah and had somebody stick a um, swab down my throat. I thought they did it through your nose. If you do the um, the rapid one. You do it with the nose swab. And they basically give you a lobotomy while doing it. I know. Mm. That's why I, I've been terrified. The drive through one tell you to say, ah, and they swab your throat for a while. For a while? Yeah. I By the end of it, I was like, oh, God, my throat's about to close up on you, lady. Move. And she did. Well, that's good. So I'm glad she read your mind. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she probably just knows the face. Like, probably. And we're done. Or the probably. Hey, hey. Yeah. <laughs> the noises. Although, I will say. Mm. So anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Well, are we ready to uh, transition from that conversation and learn about my topic for the week? Please. Yes, please. All right. So it's kind of funny. We actually talked about this before we recorded. It was just a funny happenstance. But my notes start. So you know how people always ask, if you could go back in time, when slash where would you go? Whoa, we did. That's freaky. I am on your wavelength. Yeah. Oh, no. Well, I think I have a new front runner. Oh, yay. Although it had a few names, it was best known as the World's Columbian Exposition or the Chicago World's Fair. Hey! Are we going back to HH? Eh, we briefly touched base on him, but we're actually just talking about the fair in general. Cool. Um, it was held in 1893 to celebrate the 400th anniversary of Christopher Columbus's arrival in the New World and to, quote, tell the story of the world's progression through those four centuries. The Chicago World's Fair provided a showcase for new inventors, new products, different styles of architecture and art. The first American attempt at a World's Fair was in Philadelphia in 1876. It drew large crowds, but it was a financial failure. So when they began discussing ideas to celebrate the 400th anniversary of Columbus's landing, obviously there were some concerns and raised a lot of red flags, but they realized how big of an opportunity it could be. So civic leaders in St. Louis, New York City, Washington, D.C., and Chicago all expressed interest in hosting a fair to generate profits, boost real estate values, and promote their cities. Congress was called on to decide the location. New York, New York City, <laughs> New York's financiers, including J.P. Morgan, hey, Cornelius Vanderbilt, hey, and name. Waldor, William Waldorf Astor pledged $15 million to finance the fair wow. Jesus. if it was awarded to New York. Um, while Chicagoans, Charles Yerkes, Marshall Field, Philip Armour, and Gustav Swift offered to finance a Chicago fair. Congress was finally persuaded when Chicago banker Lindman Gage raised several million dollars over New York's final offer in a 24-hour period. Jesus! Holy cannolis. Um, Chicago representatives not only fought for the World Fair on monetary reasons, but also on practicality reasons. So a Senate hearing held in January of 1890, Representative Thomas Bryan argued that the most important qualities for a World's Fair were abundant supplies of good air and pure water, ample space, accommodations, and transportation for all exhibits and visitors. Okay, quick question. 18 what? 
1890 was when this hearing was held. Did they have clean water in Chicago back then? They had an entire lake next to them. I know, but that was after the Industrial Revolution, right? The lake was there before the Industrial Revolution. I know, but didn't that make it like super dirty and gross? Are you thinking of the river? I'm thinking about the whole area. The whole area. (laughs) Anyway, continue. Sorry. Um, Obviously, it did because they let them have it in Chicago. Exactly. (laughs) Spoiler alert. Um, (laughs) He argued that New York had too many obstructions and Chicago would be able to use large amounts of land around the city where there was, quote, not a house to buy and not a rock to blast. And that it would be so located that the artisan and the farmer and the shopkeeper and the man of humble means would be able to easily access the fair. The city spokesman would continue to stress the essentials of a successful exposition and that only Chicago was fitted to fill these requirements. The Exposition Corporation and the National Exposition Commission settled on Jackson Park on 630 acres or 279.23 halls. Yes! <laughs> In the neighborhood of South Shore, Jackson Park, Hyde Park, and Woodlawns as the location of the fair. Daniel Burnham was selected as director of works and George R. Davis as general director. Long before the suffragettes won the right to vote, Chicago socialite Bertha Andre Palmer fought for women to have a seat at the World's Fair table. Palmer of Palmer House Hotel fame was the chair of the board of lady managers, the first governing body of its kind. The lady managers were put in charge of upholding holding the moral tone of the exhibition. I would not fit on that board. So you got to sit there and just look judgily at people? Well, they got to make sure that it was family friendly and that they weren't going to have anything that was going to offend anybody because they were having they were inviting this to people from all over the world. That's really cool. So the women were basically put in charge to make sure that it was appropriate for everyone that was going to be invited. Gotcha, gotcha. The board was instrumental in establishing the women's building at the fair, which was designed by one of America's first female architects, MIT graduate Sophia Hayden. Get it, girl. The women's building featured arts, crafts and murals, everything created by women. Get it, girl. The exposition's offices set up shop in the upper floors of the Rand McNally building on Adams Street, the world's first all-steel-framed skyscraper. Interesting factoid. Um, (laughs) Burnham emphasized architecture and sculpture as central ideas to the fair and assembled the period's top talent to design the buildings and the grounds, including Frederick Law Olmsted for the grounds. Also, Walt Disney's father was among the workers who constructed the Columbian Exposition. Oh, that's interesting. The layout of the fairgrounds was created by Frederick Olmed, and the Beaux Arts architecture of the buildings was under the direction of Daniel Burnham, director of works for the fair. Renowned local architect Henry Cobb designed several buildings, and the temporary buildings were designed in an ornate neoclassical style painted white, resulting in the fair site being referred to as the White City. The buildings were made of a mixture of plaster, cement, and jute fiber called staff. No, I'm not sure what jute fiber is. I meant to look into it and I didn't, which was painted white, giving the buildings their gleam. Architecture critics called the structures, quote, decorated sheds. The buildings were clad in white stucco, which in comparison to the tenements of Chicago seemed illuminated. It was also called the White City because of the extensive use of streetlights, which made the boulevards and buildings usable at night. In 1892, working under extremely tight deadlines to complete construction, Director of Works Daniel Burnham appointed Francis Davis Millet to replace the fair's official director of color, William Prettyman. Prettyman had resigned following a dispute with Burnham. After experimenting, Millet settled on a mixture of oil and white lead whitewash that could be applied using compressed air spray painting to the building, taking considerably less time than traditional brush painting. This this is considered to be the first... 
spray paint. Cool. <laughs> I like that. And that was our Burnham man? No, that was a different man. This is Millet. Millet. Okay. Many of the buildings included sculptural details, and to meet the exposition's opening deadline, the chief architect Burnham sought the help of Chicago Art Institute instructor Laredo Taft to help complete them. Taft's efforts included employing a group of talented women sculptors from the institute known as the White Rabbits to finish some of the building, getting the name from Burnham's comet. Hire anyone, even white rabbits, if they'll do the work. So I know a ton of people are familiar with the whole electrical battle around the Chicago World's Fair. Yeah, totally. Sure. Mm-hmm. No. You guys are looking at me like, maybe not. I thought it was a fairly common, like Westinghouse, Tesla. Okay, well, I'm glad I kept my notes in here for that then. <laughs> <laughs> The effort to power the fair with electricity took place at the end of what is called the War of the Currents between DC and AC. Westinghouse initially... Sorry. It's just War of the Currents, DC, AC current. I thought that was funny. (laughs) But I was met with resistance. It's a series. I'm I'm sorry. Oh my God. (laughs) Do we have the capacitor for this? Actually, just spit mine. I don't have the capacitor for your puns. <laughs> Westinghouse initially did not put a bid to power the fair, but agreed to be the contractor for a local Chicago company that put in a low bid of $510,000 to supply an alternating current-based system. Edison General Electric, which at the time was merges- merging, <laughs> mm-hmm. was merging with the Thomas Houston Electric Company to form General Electric put in a $1,720,000 bid to power the fair and planned 93,000 incandescent lights with direct current. So um, what's the difference between AC and DC? So AC, the current goes from like positive to negative, positive, negative, back, forth, back, forth. DC is just the same current the entire time. Oh, I like that one more. It's alternating current and direct current. Direct seems more And not everything can run on AC and DC. Oh, okay. You have to have magic set up in place to run one or the other or to convert one to the other. Black magic. Got it. Yep. Basically. (laughs) After the fair committee went over both of their proposals, Edison General rebid their cost at $554,000, but Westinghouse underbid them by 70 cents per lamp to get the contract. What a bright idea. Oh, my God. (laughs) So, again, that whole battle can be an episode of itself. So that's just a quick little financial. Is that the light version? (laughs) Oh, my God. She is on a roll. You did this to yourself. I had no. I didn't even think I was going to have to touch on it. I figured everyone was familiar with that. Were you shocked? (laughs) (laughs) Asha's getting drunk now because she hates us. Get it all out, ladies. I can't think of any lighthearted puns. <laughs> I tried to do something with circuit earlier, but I was lost. So I did you just sort short circuit? I did. Thank you. <laughs> so as we discussed, the exposition was to be held to celebrate the 400th anniversary of Christopher Columbus landing in the New World. However, instead of opening in 1892, which would have been the actual anniversary, their fair opened one year later. They opened on May 1st, 1893 by President Grover Cleveland and ran through October 3rd, 1893. A new national holiday, Columbus Day, was the result of the fair's popularity. 46 nations participated in the fair. Holy cannolis. It was the first World's Fair to have designated national pavilions, constructing exhibits and pavilions and naming national delegates for each nation. The exposition drew nearly 26 million visitors. Jesus. A ticket to the fair would cost you 50 cents for adults, 25 cents for children under 12, and admission was free for children six and under. 
That's a hefty markup. That's double for chil- or for adults than it is for children. Damn. That's how a lot of fairs are. Yeah. Really? Mm-hmm. I always assumed it was like 15. Even I think the Georgia State Fair, it's like seven bucks for kids and then like 15 for adults. Mm-hmm. Weird. Okay. Continue. <laughs> the fair was originally meant to be closed on Sundays, but the Chicago Women's Club petitioned that it stay open. They felt that if the exposition was closed on Sunday, it would restrict those who cannot take time off work during the week to see it. All in all, there were 14 main great buildings centered around a giant reflective pool called the Grand Basin. The centerpiece of the fair, the large water pool, represented the voyage of Columbus. The voyage Columbus took to the New World. Quick question. Yes. Which I probably should wait until you're done with your notes to ask. But do you know if there are any like World's Fairs now? Yeah. Because I can't think of anywhere where it's like... Everything right now is canceled. Yeah, oh, right. <laughs> okay, to be fair, yes. But The answer is No. <laughs> Um, I don't. I know that there's a lot of like large fairs. The only thing I can think of where it's like the world is the Olympics, but that's not really that's a not a fair. fair, and that's canceled. Yeah, and you've got like Miss Universe and that's all that. Fair. That's a pageant. Yeah, but I can't think of anything Mm-mm. where it's like the whole world. I mean, yeah, the Olympics would be the closest, but that's again not a fair. So okay, I don't know. Okay, continue on. What did we say? The 14 great buildings. Also, the fair was the first with an area for amusements that was strictly separate from the exhibition halls. This area, developed by a young music promoter, Saul Bloom, concentrated on midway plaisance and introduced the term midway to American English to describe the area of a carnival or fair where the sideshows are located. It included carnival rides, including the original Ferris wheel built by George Washington Gale Ferris Jr. (laughs) (laughs) She tried to demonstrate with her computer how a Ferris wheel works. (laughs) The wheel was 264 feet high, had 36 cars, each of which could accommodate 40 people. Oh, God, no. One attendee later credited the sights he saw on the Chicago Midway for inspiring him to create America's first major amusement park, Steeplechase Park in Coney Island, New York. Because New York was still bitter that they didn't get the fair. (laughs) The fair included a very popular exhibit that was a joint project of the governments of Spain and the United States that housed the life-size reproductions of Christopher Columbus's three ships, the Nina, the Pinta, and the Santa Maria. Which, did you know that the Nina's real name was not Nina? No, I did not. It was Santa Clara. Huh. Yeah. So it was the Santa Clara, the Pinta, and the Santa Maria. I'm not sure where Nina came from. I didn't look that far into it. It rhymed, probably. Make it easier to remember. Um, The ships were constructed in Spain and then sailed to America for the exposition. Edward Moybridge gave a series of lectures on the science of animal locomotion in the Zoopraxographical Hall. Uh-huh. Built specifically for that purpose. He used his zoo praxiscope to show his moving pictures to a paying public. The hall was the first commercial movie theater. What? So the Chicago's World Fair is pretty popping. Oh, just you wait. It's like you had all the new inventions happening there or something. Oh, well. Oh, look at that. The street in Cairo included the popular dancer known as Little Egypt. She introduced America to the suggestive version of the belly dance known <gasps> as the Hoochie Coochie. Oh! <laughs> Way down yonder on the Hoochie Coochie. Nope. No, Chattahoochee. Chattahoochee. <laughs> it gets hotter than a Hoochie Coochie. Oh, my God. <laughs> to the tune said to have been improvised by Saul Bloom, and it is the song that is now more commonly associated with snake charmers. <gasps> 
I'm just imagining y'all like flirting with your husbands now, going like way down, way down your. Hold on, I know what she's trying to do. Way down yonder on the hitchado. Hoochie coochie. Is that racist? I don't know. I don't think so. Type of dance. If anything, it might just be inappropriate to hoochies. <laughs> Never mind the coochies. Never mind the coochies. Um, Bloom did not copyright the song, which immediately put it into the public domain. Oh, so yay. try and copyright our hoochie coochie song. <laughs> <laughs> um, also included the first moving walkway or the travelator. Designed by architect Joseph Wyman, who had two different divisions, one where passengers were seated and one where riders could stand or walk. It ran a loop down the length of a lakefront pier to a casino. So what we have in the airports or in the Georgia Aquarium. A moving sidewalk. That's him. Or like the people mover at Disney. Architect Kirtland Cutter's Idaho Building, which was a rustic log construction, was a popular favorite visited by an estimated 18 million people. That's a few. The building's design and interior furnishing were a a major precursor of the arts and crafts movement. So among the other attractions at the fair, several products that are well known today were also introduced for the first time. Like the people mover. That's not really Sorry. a product, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> so before we dive into some of the famous things that are still around today that were introduced at the World's Fair, shall we take a quick drink break? Because your puns are making me need a refill. Rebecca, please be a dear. Make something up for us. Okay. Hey everyone, you're invited to Harpy Hour! I'm Tracy. I'm Liz. I'm Steph. We are the Harpies. And Harpy Hour is our new podcast featuring ridiculous stories in history, science, and entertainment. Were you ever suspicious that pigeons were secretly spying on you? How do you know who to eat first if you survive a shipwreck? Do problematic musicals send you into an uncontrollable rage? If so, then Harpy Hour might be your new favorite podcast. That's H-A-R-P-Y for Harpy, and new episodes air every Tuesday wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also find us on all social media at Harpy Hour Pod. And check us out on harpyhourpodcast.com. Okay, bye! Actually Ooh. has alcohol. It's not white lightning, but it's close. It's wine. <laughs> I have white lightning downstairs. Shh. Sorry. Ashley, would you like to continue with your notes? Whenever you're done. <laughs> I'll drink. The children are misbehaving. Mommy's drinking again. <laughs> it's mommy's happy juice. It's fine. Everything's fine. All right. So some famous edibles Ooh. that were introduced. Not that type of edibles. I mean... Maybe. I won't judge. So, some items that were introduced for the first time included cream of wheat. Oh. Oh. Uh, oh. (laughs) Could have gone without that one, but okay. Okay. (laughs) Sorry. Uh, The first ever brownie was invented invented by Bertha Palmer in 1893. (laughs) (laughs) Was invented by Bertha Palmer for the 1893 World's Columbian Exposition. 
Cool. Milton Hershey bought a European exhibitor's chocolate manufacturing equipment and added chocolate products to his caramel manufacturing business. What? Mm-hmm. I didn't mm-hmm. know he was originally caramel. I didn't either. This is why this subject was so amazing. <laughs> this this one fact. <laughs> well, there's tons of them. That's why it caught my eye. Okay, I was excited. <laughs> I'm I excited too. There were also brownies. The first brownie uh <laughs> juicy fruit gum okay Ooh. quaker oats what's with like the morning grains well this there were a lot of amish and quaker well that too um but <laughs> there's another group that i read about that this was like the first time that they ever presented some of their products to like a large audience oh, so cool. there was a lot of like manufacturing and you know building furniture <laughs> <laughs> Carpentry. Carpentry. (laughs) Things that were brought for the first time from these people that were experts at it and brought new techniques. Cool. Uh, So Quaker Oat shredded wheat. Paps Blue Ribbon. Oh. Ah. Aunt Jemima Pancake Mix was widely popularized by spokesperson Nancy Green's pancake cooking and storytelling performances. Oh my God, I love them even more. So she was the first actual Aunt Jemima. And Vienna Sausages started selling its frankfurters and sausages near one of the entrances to the Midway just outside of Old Vienna Village. The company later became known as Vienna Beef, which is famously recognized as the Chicago Hot Dog. What? The Chicago Hot Dog is Vienna Sausages? Sausage? Well, it's Vienna beef. Not like you're thinking the little Vienna sausages. I don't know if they're made by the same company, but they make the Vienna beef makes the hot dogs that are the Chicago's hot dog. My grandpa, RIP, he ate Vienna sausages, which I think is disgusting. But now <laughs> every time I see them, I get a little squee in my heart. So. <laughs> Um, so some inventions and manufacturing advances. A device that made plates for printing books in Braille was unveiled by Frank Haven Hall, who met Helen Keller and her teacher, Anne Sullivan, at the exhibit. Okay, that's cool. The moving walkway or travelator. The clasp locker, which was a clumsy side fastener and a forerunner to the zipper, was demonstrated. The first fully electrical kitchen, including an automatic dishwasher, was on display. Phosphorescent lamps, which was a precursor to the fluorescent lamps, and the first practical electrical automobile, which was invented by William Morrison. Cool. Rebecca will maybe appreciate this. Probably not, because I don't know what it is. Frederick Jackson Turner lectured on his frontier thesis. No idea. Okay, cool. Um, <laughs> the, <laughs> the Pledge of Allegiance was first performed at the exposition by a mass of school children lined up in military fashion. This was the that f- sounds terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> This would be the first time that the Pledge of Allegiance was performed outside of a military situation. No, that does sound kind of um, creepy and terrifying, though. Lined up in a military... I mean, it's not much different than what they try to get them to do now. Kids today are just like, look over there! (laughs) (laughs) Hi, Mom! Did anybody else have to do the Pledge of Allegiance every day at school? Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. I didn't know if you did since you were homeschooled. Oh, we did. And the... Pledge to the Christian flag and the Pledge to the Bible. Yep. A, could you recite those by nope, chance? No, I don't remember them. No, I have a better chance of remembering the Wanna theme song than I do remembering the Christian pledge. What can oh, yeah. I say? <laughs> <laughs> no, you're welcome. Oh, Wanna. Camp. Oh, Wanna. <laughs> and why would you think that you're welcome is the Moana theme song? Because it's the most popular song. No. 
And not the one that I've she's singing. I've been staring at the edge of the water. Okay, that is copyrighted. So I'm going to keep talking. Never really and talking. Why. But the Way rock. Way down yonder on the Fuji. <laughs> <laughs> so this Look world- over there. <laughs> World's Fair. The Congress of Mathematicians presented. They were the precursor to the International Congress of Mathematicians. Oh, precursor to the International Congress. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that's the same thing. But no, this is probably what helped them go international. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I yeah. love you so much. I hate myself sometimes, but it's fine. I'm cute. <laughs> Ay, 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 let's get this over with, shall we? So the poet and humorist Benjamin Franklin King Jr. first performed at the exposition. Bodybuilder Eugene Sandow demonstrated feats of strength promoted by Ziegfeld. And magician Harry Houdini, what gasp, ever heard of him? And his brother Theodore performed their magic act at the Midway. Joseph Douglas, a classic violinist who achieved wide recognition after his performance, became the first African-American violinist to conduct a transcontinental tour and the first to tour as a concert violinist. Oh, that's really cool. The first Indonesian music performance in the United States was at the exposition. The Gamelin instruments used in the performance were later placed in the Field Museum of Natural History. A group of hula dancers led to increased awareness of Hawaiian music among Americans throughout the country. And the first Estefad, a Welsh choral composition held outside of Wales, was held in Chicago at the exposition. Very cool. American composer Amy Beach was commissioned by the Board of Lady Managers to compose a choral work for the opening of the Women's Building. The Women's Building included a Women's Building Library exhibit, which had 7,000 books that were written and illustrated all by women. The library was meant to show the cumulative contribution women of the world to literature. That's really cool. I want to. Is that still around? I want to go look. Well, this one in particular is not. I'll remember most of the buildings were temporary. Oh, that's right. So uh, visitors, as we mentioned before, Helen Keller, along with her mentor, Ann Sullivan, and Dr. Alexander Graham Bell. Ever heard of him? (laughs) (laughs) Does he ring a bell? Shut up. (laughs) Visited the fair. And Keller described the fair in her autobiography, The Story of My Life. Early in July, a Wesleyan College English teacher named Catherine Bates visited the fair. The White City later inspired the reference to alabaster cities in her poem and lyrics for America the Beautiful. Oh, cool. And as we know, serial killer H.H. Holmes attended the fair with two of his eventual victims, Annie and Minnie Williams. So the United States government issued two commemorative coins. The half dollar coin featured Christopher Columbus and the quarter depicted Queen Isabel of Spain, who had funded the voyages of Christopher Columbus. Their commemorative quarter was the first U.S. corn corn. (laughs) (laughs) No, they had maize long before we were here. The commemorative quarter was the first U.S. coin to honor a woman. The United States Post Office produced its first picture postcards and a commemorative stamp set. The fair, however, ended in shock as popular mayor Carter Harrison Sr. was assassinated two days before the fair's closing. Oh. The closing ceremonies were canceled in favor of a public memorial service. After the fair, Jackson Park was returned to its status as a public park, although in much better shape than its original swampy form. You literally can't go through an episode without someone dying. Probably not. The foot episode. Nobody died in the foot episode, did they? There's no. a plane crash. Oh, yeah, yeah. Somebody <laughs> did die. You're 
Yeah, I mean, it wasn't a main character. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, people die every day. I'm sorry. But, you know, I could have left it out. But that was kind of an important. It was. It was. Very cool. So that was a brief touch into uh, the Chicago World's Fair. Fascinating. Thank you, honey. Mm-hmm. I appreciate that. I learned a lot. I did not uh, know so many inventions came out of that. I didn't either. Thank you for shedding light on that subject. Oh, my God. <laughs> well on that note (laughs) remember friends everyone has something that they find odd let us tell you why it's not resistance is futile (laughs) if you have any questionable topics you'd like us to discuss you can share them with us on any of our social medias links can be found on our website theladiesestrange.com or you can email them to us at theladiesestrange at gmail.com if we get a shit ton of light (laughs) puns you're all fired I made one bad attempt at a circuit no 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 I mean if people send them to us they're fired oh And there's certain people in a particular channel that I'm speaking to directly. Join us on Discord. <laughs> Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. And if you think we're doing a great job and want to support the show, you can find us at patreon.com slash the ladies of strange keep it strange my lovelies please donate to patreon because i obviously need hooked on phonics 